All right, so uh, like we said, we are finishing our We Are the Church uh, sermon series uh, this morning. And one of the things that we've learned uh, in this series is if you want to look at what the design uh, of the church, what Jesus' design for the church is, uh, it's good to look at the things that Jesus did well. Because if it's something that Jesus did well, then it's something the church should do well as well. Uh, And so that's been something that we've been looking at. And this morning as we wrap up, you know, Jesus loved children well. Um, there's some great stories uh, throughout the New Testament, but one of them specifically comes in uh, Matthew chapter 19, uh, verse 13. It says, Then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And through stories like this, we see that Jesus placed value on children. Even when the disciples didn't value children, Jesus always valued and loved children. Now let's take a second and talk about uh, some of those valued and loved children uh, in our state. Uh, It's no surprise, or everybody in here knows, that our state is facing a substance abuse crisis right now with opiate addiction and other other substances. And what a lot of times we forget is we, we forget about the impact uh, that those substance abuse problems have on the children. Their parents are caught in a cycle of addiction. We, we don't think about the, the impact uh, on those children. Um, let me give you some statistics just to kind of put this into context. So as of July 2022, the state of West Virginia had 6,574 kids in foster care or kinship care. West Virginia has a removal rate for babies that is three times the national average And between 2011 and 2021, there was a 66% increase in the number of petitions filed to remove kids from homes. And, you know, one of the things that there are so many wonderful people that are doing things to help out with this crisis. But, you know, I think some of the folks uh, who are right in the front lines of trying to do what they can to address this are our foster parents and our kinship parents. Fostering and being a foster parent and a kinship parent is incredibly hard, and those people give up a lot of sac- they sacrifice a lot of things to be able to love those kids well. Now, it is a big sacrifice, and not everybody can be a foster parent or a kinship parent, but we think that everyone in the church can do things to help support those who are. And that's where we're going to be spending our time this morning, is talking about ways that we are the church can love kids well by supporting uh, the foster parents in uh, kinship parents in our community. So uh, as we get started, um, why don't you all just take a second, introduce yourself, and tell us about your foster journey. Well, um, my name is Justin Gall. Uh, my wife, Amber, uh, we've been foster parents for about six years now. Um, our house, is, pictures are just popping up there. And I know that looks messy, and a lot of people that have big families know what it's like to have a table full of laundry or muddy kids or temper tantrums. But um, the one thing about foster care is that it often comes with a side that you don't see, and that is frequently shows up in the form of darkness that the kids experience and the foster parents have to deal with, or adoptive parents. There's um, usually resulting from trauma and from uh, just neglect or some other aspect of being an unfortunate person in the foster care system. Um, Amber? Sorry, I was giggling. My daughter was giving me dirty looks about her picture. <laughs> um, yeah, it's we have a big family. We signed up for it, but with that big family comes big emotions that a lot of times we have to interrupt our 
day to deal with some triggered behaviors. But we've had, I don't even know how many kids through respite care and foster care and just helping our friends that foster in our home. Um, throughout the six years, we are, we just love what we do. Uh, my name is Calissa Bannister. I've been a foster parent for a little over a year. Um, I've had, I think, three kids in my home and done respite for uh, several others. Um, you can kind of see in the picture, this was, uh, Amber asked for a chaotic moment, and this was a pretty chaotic week in my life. Uh, my foster daughter in this picture had to have dental surgery. Um, a lot of the kids in care come in with a lot of neglect, and she was definitely one of those cases that came in, um, teeth completely neglected and needed surgery. Um, there were a lot of tears, a lot of fights, temper tantrums that week. Um, anesthesia is not friendly for five-year-old little girls. But um, yeah, I um, have loved this journey, and it's definitely been hard as a single foster mom and trying to work and um, also be in school, but it's been great. Hi. Hey. Uh, I am Stacy Santon, uh, and I go with Matt. And um, you can tell from those pictures we've, uh, well, there's our blindside family picture at the top there. <laughs> we've, uh, we started our foster journey about two years ago. And um, we've had uh, 10 kids in our care. And um, kind of our sweet spot, I guess, is 8 to 12-year-old boys. And um, so uh, that's, we kind of, we, we started thinking that we would do kind of respite care for families within our church. And once we got certified, the calls just started coming in. So um, we realized that God was calling us to a little bit more than a weekend here and there. So um, uh, the top picture, our first two foster kids, Roman, the gentle giant from South Sudan, and Tristan, the little wild man who is from McDowell County. So um, we've had a wide range of kiddos. So. Yes. <laughs> yeah, the only thing I'd add is Stacey said that uh, we thought we'd kind of do respite care. And we got certified on a Monday, and between Tuesday and Thursday, we got calls for six different placements with us, none of which really fit for us. Um, so we said no, which you can do in the foster care. But it was, it, the need was definitely there. As soon as we said yes, we were inundated with calls until God kind of led us to the ones that were right for us. I'm J.D. Gandy, and um, I do not have any foster children, but I have a great love and care for them and um, <clears throat> and for the families that that foster these kids. They are amazing, these families these people here are amazing, but they need a lot of help. So God's kind of called me to be prayer support and encourager and uh, helper if I can. There's me and Sophie playing ukulele there, and and I support Charlie. He he designed this uh, beautiful sun catcher that's uh, made by Blinko. Charlie did that. That's right there, Charlie. And so we support the kids. We support the families. And we try to help out, and we'll talk about that a little bit more later. Uh, why did you decide to foster in the first place? Um, well, I definitely got a lot of crazy thoughts. 
Um, I definitely got a lot of crazy looks at first when I said that I was going to, but um, my mom's best friend, I was like 14 or 15 when she first got a foster child um, who was, I think, eight months old. And I started babysitting for her through that time. And she's now 11 or 12, maybe 13. I don't know the age. Um, But she, it was just, it showed me at a young age what the need was like in West Virginia to have foster parents and to have people to love these kids. Um, And I just always knew that that's what I was supposed to do. Um, Didn't expect it to be at 25, but, you know, that's what the Lord was telling me to do. And Stacy, why don't you tell us your favorite thing about being a foster parent? My favorite thing? Um, well, we get to go to Chuck E. Cheese again and Sky Zone. And uh, um, my favorite part about, um, about being a foster parent, I would say, is the impact that, it, um, that it's made on our whole family. Um, so... We have four biological kids, two of whom are out of, uh, out of college and out of state. Um, and then when we started, we had two boys that were still in high school. And I would say um, really my favorite part of, of foster parenting is the, is the foster family. Um, and just seeing um, my boys embrace kids who are kind of hard to love because of their traumatic backgrounds um and also really seeing since we since we typically have boys um we a lot of those boys have not been shown a really great example of how men are to treat women um and so as a result being the only woman in the house I tend to be kind of the whipping post and um just to see the way that my boys have really stepped up in my honor um has been neat but also the way that um they have really served and um, really exhibited love to the kids that are, um, that are in our home as hard as they might be. So does that answer your question? There are no right answers. Um, so Amber, one of the things that I know I've heard you say a lot in just our discussions, uh, whenever you're a, a foster parent that's open for placement, uh, it's like you're always pregnant. Um, why don't you take a second and tell us about what the first... 24, 48 hours of a placement, of a new placement looks like. Okay, so you can be pregnant with a newborn and get that call and go pick the newborn up at the hospital, or you could be pregnant with a 16-year-old, and that's on the way to Highlands because there's no home to place them in. Um, So you truly don't know what you're going to say yes to that day when you get the call from your agency, and likely you don't have what you need to take care of those kids that day. So then it's a scramble, and you try to make sure you're pouring into your bio kids because they're in turmoil, and you're trying to make sure your adopted kids are okay because it's really scary for them because they have memories about being in care. So you as a parent are trying to hold all their emotions together, and then you have practical things like, how am I going to clothe them? How am I going to feed them? Where are they going to sleep? I have to get all these kids bathed and... It's, it's truly chaotic, and it's very scary, that first 24 to 48 hours. Um, this next round of questions, I'm not going to direct any particular person, but um, if you want to answer it, just chime, chime in, and we'll maybe hear from one or two of you, and then we'll move on to the next question. Uh, the first one is, how has being a foster parent uh, impacted your ability to 
you do chores or home maintenance or just things, just taking care of your house. Yeah, so I'll jump in and say, uh, for my work, I tend to travel quite a bit, and that leaves a lot of the weekly things to Amber and the kids to help out with. Uh, but there does tend to become things that get neglected around the house, whether it's the grass growing a few inches higher than it should be, um, or you know, window and capital projects that I need to do around the house that get neglected. I've, I've got some some windows I got to take care of. Um, you know, just things that when I get back from a work trip that I feel guilty about being gone for so long and I need to spend quality time with all the kids. And uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it's, it's challenging sometimes to meet the daily demands and the weekly demands, um, especially when you have a first new placement or we have several therapy visits for a child in a given week um, or people come into the house and, and then court dates and things that cause anxiety and worry. Uh, you know, all that kind of gets in the way of other things that tactically, tactically need to get done. Yeah, for instance, our, our Monday nights, we have a visit with um, our baby, and then she's, she has problems after those visits because it's a lot of trauma for them. But then that bleeds over until Tuesday morning when I have four hours of therapy between two kids, and I try to homeschool in the midst of that, and then I have kids going to practice, and then there's dinner, and a lot of times things just get neglected. We had, a, um, <clears throat> so we had a couple boys with us from pretty much all of last year, and then they went back with their mom in uh, very late May, uh, and then the mom kind of screwed up again, and so they call us on a Saturday, and they're like, can you take the kids back while we find a more permanent placement? And it was the week of Big Kick, right? And if you've been around Char River Ridge for Big Kick, it's like, there's a lot that goes on. I mean, I'm here from 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. every day, and uh, we're like, yeah, we can do it. And they also came with a, a, a third sibling that was with them. Um, but it was really, that's one of those things, it's like, in, in Big Kick week, there's no time to have foster kids kind of thing. Um, but somebody brought us dinner every single night of Big Kick. Um, and it was just amazing to see community around us to meet that need like, this is crazy to try and do this with the biggest kind of physical work week kind of thing at River Ridge. But those types of things, when the level of in the household goes up, you know, the foster kids are like, gosh, there's one more thing, one more mouth to feed, one more diaper to change. <laughs> I changed a diaper for the first time in 13, 15 years. Uh, on yesterday, it was, I was solid. It was not solid, I was solid. Okay. We do uh, benefit from having community around us. Um, you know, you're part of our uh, life group, part of our home group, and that's a big part of our ability to do what we do. Um, and it gives me a lot of assurance when I have to travel for work that if Amber has a need, there's at least 10 people immediately surrounding her, and I can rest a little bit easier on those trips knowing that we've got good people on our side. And the life group and the home group is such a big part of that. Plus, I think you were getting ready to say something. Yeah. I would just say, like, on the single parent side, like, it's definitely really difficult to get things done around the house. Um, if anyone has ever gone through Canal City, they've probably seen grass that's like up to your knees and that's my house. Um, that <laughs> I had two five-year-olds at one point and 
leaving two five-year-olds in the house or by themselves to be able to mow grass just as impossible. Um, and then laundry was out the wazoo. I did not believe that taking in two kids would be um, as much laundry as it was, but my laundry room was so packed I couldn't open the door. Um, so there's just so many different things, but definitely meals helped. I had meals brought. Um, so yeah, there's definitely a lot to it. We've heard um, you know, impact about you know, chores and stuff around your house. We've heard impact on transportation, heard impact um, on your careers, um, impact on food planning, those types of things. What about, um, how does it impact your ability to have quality time with your significant other or with your uh, the rest of your family? Negatively. <laughs> so, well, we, we, we've had a date with a 10-month-old um, at least once a week for the past 10 months. We really haven't truly been alone for a while. Um, that makes it hard. You know, I, I really kind of crave a weekend away from Charleston, and I love you guys, Charlie, Sophie, but, you know, even just without kids, you know, just, that'd be nice. Um, and we're getting there as, as this child gets older and gets more settled. Well, I'm sure we'll, we'll make that time happen, right? Yeah. yeah. We have kind of grown accustomed to having time together alone um, and just find each other very enjoyable. So that was something that we uh, were really missing. So we have really fought, I guess, for time together and tried to be very intentional about nights away uh, just because of the way that foster kids can tend to um, kind of pull you apart in your marriage as far as just different parenting styles and things that maybe would have worked with your biological children don't necessarily work with foster kids. So there's been tension in our marriage just because of the different kind of parenting styles we come with and just how to love and parent these kids best. Um, but again, community, we've really, we had a, a really rough kind of couple of boys that, I guess it was last spring, and so we really fought for Wednesday nights because that was a free night in our schedule to be together. And so our dear friend Betsy just really picked up the the picked up the baton and, and took one of these boys out every Wednesday night. And he was just a rough kid. And um, so we had just lots of boundaries on him at our home. But with Betsy, he could drive listening to rock and roll music with the windows down and go out to dinner. And just she was able to make him feel special as well as kind of give him that freedom to be himself. Um, whereas really, uh, you know, it allowed us time together and then also just kind of a break from the, oh, the rules of the Santon household. So good job on that, Charlie. It's still together. Yes. I brought on a second ago because, um, you know, you all are in it. And so you talk about things that I don't think some people are as familiar with. One thing I've learned hanging out with some foster parents um, as you know, if you if kids if you have biological kids and you want to take a weekend trip away, you just drop the kids off and you know random either grandparent or friend or whoever you can get to kid watch your kids for a weekend can do it. Uh, when you have foster kids, there's more restrictions on who can watch your kid overnight. So it's not like you can just pack up your bags and leave kids with neighbors or anybody else. It's a lot more restrictive about who can watch those kids. So I just want to explain that because I think that's something that you all forget because you're in it, but it's into educational for people that aren't aren't as aware of that. Um, 
Next question is kind of more of a broad one, but um, just how has being a foster parent impacted your uh, physical, mental, emotional, or spiritual health? Well, if you count exercise as wearing a baby and chasing two boys around, then that's definitely my exercise. Um, it, it does affect, I have had increased anxiety and worry since I started foster care, and that's something that I battle every day because there's a lot of unknown, and um, it's very helpful when someone reaches out with a prayer or a spiritual truth to remind me that God loves me and God loves my kids and my husband and this baby far more than I do, and he is always there. And like they sang this morning, his love never changes. Um, but having the community to reach out and lend a listening ear or pray for you or just run over to give you a hug, is, it means more than I can't even put words to it. I mean, for me, foster care can just be exhausting emotionally and physically, you know, it's like, and so my, my wife is older than me, she's 54, <laughs> and, I'm, and I, yes, by two months, I'm 53, but like, and so we have, right now, we have an eight-year-old, a four-year-old, and a two-year-old, and I think about a two-year-old, it's like, there's a reason that 50-year-olds don't give birth, because you're, too, I mean, it's just like, you know, like, we're old, it's hard, you know, it's, it's exhausting, um, but at the same time, it's, it's worth it, and, and Stacey and I, uh, so we haven't, we don't, it's really hard for us to foster over the summer for a couple of different reasons, and so we're kind of anticipating getting back in, and so, uh, but this, anyway, towards the end of the summer, uh, in you know, August, I started to play more tennis, and there's this guy that I play with, and I just, I should be able to beat him, but I can't beat him, and I'm like, if I could just practice more, I could beat him kind of thing, and it was really this sort of aha moment, and you guys may think this is silly, but it was this aha moment that was like, you know what? Fostering kids is way more kingdom impact than beating Noah Folks. Like, I really want to beat Noah Folks, but I can't. You know what I mean? And so, but I should be able to if I practice more. And I would just, in my mind, it's like, I'm going to play less tennis and exercise less. But man, the impact of in God's kingdom is so worth the sacrifice uh, of what we give up. And so that's my sort of like object lesson for it that helps me to kind of muddle through at those times. It was like, gosh, I'd kind of like to do something else right now. Um, along those lines is when it came to the idea of foster care, Amber knew she was going to do it since she was a little girl um, and or adopt. Um, I did not want to do it out of the gate. I was very resistant. Um, I came to appreciate her perspective uh, she said some very meaningful things and quoted some verses and, you know, think about the, the phrase here, we are the church, and if it's not us doing this, then who's going to do it? And, you know, that really worked on me, and I came around, came around to it. And as far as my faith goes, my experience has been all those reasons I didn't want to do it, I identified eventually as kind of selfish reasons. Um, you know, not extraordinarily selfish, just basic reasons, but when I laid down the fear and jumped in and said yes, I found all those reasons to be uh, really unfounded. I was surprised all the things I was afraid of and, and the things that I didn't think we could deal with. It all got answered. It, you just, 
it's amazing what can happen when you just say yes and lay your fear down and trust God. And that's what we ended up doing. We've said yes multiple times, and there's been times where I've gone back on that and said, wait, wait, call him back. Say no, say no. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> never done that. We, we haven't done that. We, we've been tempted, but um, it, it always works out. And that has been really affirming of my faith and my trust uh, in multiple areas of my life, not just foster care. So sort of a funny story related to that is like calling a bank that we don't want them. So there was a child that was coming to us that we had said yes to that was on the way. And then kind of last minute we found out that the child was at a house that maybe had bed bugs beforehand. <laughs> and we were like, and we tried to call the foster lady or the lady back to say we don't want it. And as she drove up the driveway, it was like, well, I guess at this point we're committed. He didn't have bed bugs. It was fine. But it was one of those things like, oh. You, never, you should never know what you're going to get yourself into. <laughs> so we've heard, um, you know, a lot of the challenges, a lot of the ways that being a foster parent impacts uh, your life. And so I know all these wonderful people are now thinking, well, how, what can we do to, to help out? How can we help you all? So uh, Justin or Amber, you all want to take a stab at that? Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in there. Um, so the reason we're talking about this, one, we are the church, but two, we're not trying to recruit other foster parents right now. Now, if that happens, wonderful, because our state desperately needs it, and we are in a crisis. But the idea is you don't have to be foster parents, but we as a church can all do something. And that's where this idea of what we call care communities come into play. We're partnering with a national organization called Promise 686, which is based in Atlanta, great organization, as well as Chestnut Mountain Village, which is up in Morgantown. And they are working with a group of churches around West Virginia to think, how do we tackle this issue of all these 6,500 kids in foster care right now? And, you know, being the church, we have, you know, somewhat of a responsibility to get, that, get in there and do that. So River Ridge is creating a ministry around this, and we are calling, calling it Lamplighters Family Advocacy Ministry, or just Lamplighters. Um, historically, a lamplighter was a person who went around in all conditions to light oil and gas lamps. And that light lit the path and provided security for others um, and, and in the darkness. I like the word lamplighter because the Bible makes very clear that in several passages that Jesus was pointed to as the light. In John 8, 12, Jesus himself says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows will never walk in darkness, but will have light have the light of life. And so, you know, I thought about light and the darkness that some of our foster families face, um, you know, the families, the children themselves, even the bio parents involved, and the people that work in the system. Um, and there's a statistic that says that more than 50% of new foster families will quit in the first year if they don't have community around them to support them. And I can tell you firsthand, that makes a lot of sense because we're still on it because we have a supportive network of people immediately around us. And our desire since we got to River Ridge was let's create, let's create a way to systemize this or put structure behind it. And then, you know, Matt and Stacy join in foster care, and then all of a sudden this organization approaches us and says, hey, we have that structure, and we want to help you put it in place. And we have the roadmap of what that looks like and what the roles are for that organization. So we're excited to put that in play, and Amber and I are leading that cause for us. Um, so we're seeking people that feel called to help from the sidelines, not necessarily jump in as foster parents, but to be a support network to those who are currently 
in the system and, and working, either as foster parents or in support capacities. You know, we want people that are feeling called to be the light for those other people working in the darkness because we need that light around us. We, we could not do this without, you know, you, know, you guys jumping in and, and our, our life group. Um, so Amber's going to talk a little bit about what the structure of that looks like. I'll just be brief. Um, we're asking for a gift of your time. Uh, the way we can help change the world for those 6,500 kids and their family in foster care is to be an anchor for them, an anchor that ties them to a church. So we're asked, So the way we do this is with a care community. You can see up there. This is a group of four to eight equipped individuals that are committed to serve a family for as long as the placement lasts or for a year. There are a variety of ways you can, you've heard all the ways you can help a foster family today. And um, if you have any more questions, just visit Justin and I out at the kiosk after, after the service. And we are also having a community awareness event on September 28th at 6.30. But we'd like to connect with you before then if you're interested in helping. Oh, and if you are, if you are feeling called to be a foster parent. We have Kylie from Mission West Virginia out in the lobby with us today too. Um, so do you all have any examples, and this question's open to anybody, um, of either things that people that surround you have done that you've found to be incredibly helpful or are there things that you wish people would do to help you? Give us specific examples of either one of those things. Okay. Talk about JD for a second. Um, court days are really hard for me, and visitation days are really hard for us as a family. And JD calendars them just like I do, and reaches out all, on all those tough days with um, just a prayer, or he he comes and pours into my kids. And uh, Keith picks up my kids for practice quite frequently, and that's very helpful. We have a lot of good people surrounding us, and we definitely, like Justin said, could not continue to do this without them. Why do you, why do you do what you do? Okay. Um, first of all, God put a burden on my heart, and I don't know how to explain it except that he puts a burden on me to pray. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll pray. If I didn't pray, I didn't have peace. If I did pray, I did have peace. So, okay, what am I going to do? <laughs> Get off my back. I'm going to pray. And so I pray for um, the Gauls, and in particular, and their children, and little Cece, and and Justin as he's traveling. That's so I'm behind the scenes. I'm on the sidelines, he said. But you need people like that. And then sometimes I'll, in my quiet time, a verse will be there, and I'll share it, and and it happens to be the right verse at the right time. And I didn't even know. Uh, I didn't even know what was going on. Uh, also, um, uh, like, you know, to support the, the kids, visit, help, uh, bring donuts, bring a meal, uh, do some of those things. And it, uh, it seems to, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun for one thing, and it helps out. And you've heard that this is exhausting. So there's a lot of things that we could do, I could do, and I could do more to help 
so that they're not so exhausted. I, and I am amazed you have not called me to cut your grass, Clissa. I have a, I have a trailer full of lawn equipment, and I, all you have to do is say, hey, can you help me with grass? And I'll be there. And three men from the first service gave me their name and number and said, when you're going to go do grass, call me, I'll go with you. And so uh, that's, that's how it works. And that's, that's what it does for me. It helps me to help them. And uh, I encourage you to reach out and help. Yeah, I think, I mean, I love what we're doing here as a church because I think in a lot of ways what this community surrounding foster parents like, it exists to an extent already at River Ridge, but in a kind of a disorganized, sort of spontaneous kind of way. Um, and so what, what Amber and Justin are leading this charge of saying, let's put what we've already really done pretty well in some places, like, let's formalize it with this thing. Um, and I think that's fantastic because I think Stacy and I really, I think for the most part, have felt very supported by our home group, her women's group, my men's group staff of the church, just that kind of thing, people pitching in and helping. But I think as our church has more and more foster care, foster families, if there's these care groups in place, it just makes that step a little bit less intimidating. Um, we, like I, th- like I said, we just got three children um, on Friday afternoon. Um, and so Amber and Justin uh, brought over some food for us for that night and some frozen meals for the future. But then they also left a pint of Ben and Jerry's ice cream and a bottle of wine. Um, and so we, we put the kids to bed at about 8.30 and the pint of ice cream is gone and Stacy didn't finish the whole bottle of wine. But, uh, but that sort of thing, just thoughtfulness and being um, just proactive, having these communities around us of proactive people say, I'm gonna do this for you, you can't say no, is very helpful. You wanna add? Um, I would, meals were always super appreciative. Um, that's, I remember the first night I got my second five-year-old, um, someone showed up at my door with a meal and I was like, this is perfect timing. She literally just got here like 10 minutes ago and stuff was still all over the floor. Um, yeah. And I mean, there's been people who have offered childcare. Um, I mean, I was in school, um, getting my master's and there's times where Matt and Stacy would take one of the kids or Betsy or Amber offers all the time, even though she has five. Um, (laughs) But there's just been a lot of people who have really stepped up. Um, My parents have really stepped up and been that male figure in um, my kids' lives. And um, yeah, there's been tons of help given to me. You know, one other thing I'd like to add to, um, when we were out in the lobby after the first service, a couple came up to us and asked the question, what has this done for you all's relationship? And you know, we reflected on that for a minute, and the quick answer was, we are stronger than ever because of what we've done. Um, and that's been an amazing side effect of becoming foster parents. Um, I think it has a large part to do with the focus on something other than yourselves or your own wants and, and ambitions, but it you're doing something, one, together, that is influencing the kingdom of God. And it has drawn us stronger and closer uh, than we were for the previous 10 years of our marriage. So it's been really a, a, an impressive and amazing and wonderful side effect. 
Awesome. Well, um, I, I would, we would love to sit here and talk for 30 more minutes about uh, what these people are doing in their lives, but unfortunately we don't have time. Um, just to wrap up and, and kind of share some things that I've observed, just being around families who foster some things that I've seen that can be really helpful. Uh, we talked about meals. Um, transportation can sometimes be an issue. You get pulled in a bunch of different directions and just being able to you know, help out and go pick up a kid from a practice or you know, go run an errand for him, I, I think is a huge, it's a, it's a little thing out of your day that can really help a lot. Um, helping to find supplies, you know, you get the, the, you know, you've got a new four-year-old coming in and there's a scramble, oh my gosh, we need four-year-old clothes, we need a bunk bed, we need, you know, just having people that can run around and help find things that are needed. Um, ways to help, you know, with, uh, ways to help families have quality time together, just being available to help watch kids and, and uh, so they can have a date and get out a little bit or even just making sure that uh, the other kids in the family are able to have a good time together, just uh, being there for that. And obviously praying for them, encouraging them, sending them scripture, words of encouragement, just little things that out of your day are, you know, relatively speaking compared to the sacrifices that they're making, it's little things that we can all do that really, I think, make a big difference um, in their lives. Uh, so just to wrap up, um, we're going to close with uh, this kind of application um, point. There's kind of three things that you can uh, do this morning. Uh, the first is, like they said, um, if you are interested in being a foster parent or have questions about what that looks like, if you ever thought about it or just want to know more, uh, we do have somebody from Mission West Virginia out in the lobby that I'm sure would love to talk to you just to answer questions about what this looks like. Um, the second thing we're going to do is we're going to spend some time uh, praying for uh, these families and the other foster and kinship families in our church. Um, but while we're doing that, you have two options. So option one is I want you to spend time praying with, you know, praying with us. Uh, option two is you are actually excused from prayer if during that time period, and I'm being dead serious, if during that time period you get out your cell phone if, you're, if there's anything you've heard this morning that you think, I think I can help out, even in a little way or a big way or whatever, take that time to send an email to ambergall at gmail.com. It's on this little page. And all you have to do is say, I'm interested in that email. And they'll take care of the rest in terms of getting you to the orientations and figuring out ways they can help. So um, I would love for you, before you walk out of these doors today, if you're interested in this, to take a second and send her an email saying, hey, I, I'm in. I think I can, I can help out. Uh, so we're going to spend just 30 seconds or so praying in silence. I want you all to pray for these folks, and then I'll uh, close this in prayer, and we'll, we'll wrap up. Let's pray. God, we know that you, um, you love people who are vulnerable, people who are in situations that need help, um, people that are broken. Lord, I just pray you give us a heart uh, to see those situations around us so that we feel uh, called um, to love people like you love them, to love people like you have loved us, uh, God. Um, specifically, Lord, I pray for uh, the folks in our community who are uh, foster parents or kinship parents, God. I just pray that you would um, give them strength in everything that they do, God, whether it's physical strength or mental strength or emotional strength or spiritual strength or whatever type of strength uh, that they need in that moment. God, I pray that you would provide that to them, Lord. Uh, then more importantly, God, I pray that you just um, use us as instruments um, to minister to them 
uh, to calls to ways that we can support them and love them uh, and just help uh, in everything that they're doing to love uh, kids in their lives um, that, that desperately, desperately need that love and affection. Uh, God, uh, we know that you're with them at all times, God, but we pray you just help them feel your presence uh, and know that you're uh, there to support them and love them uh, in, in, and also enter everything we do for them. God, just help use us to make sure that they feel supported. God, we love you. We're so thankful for your son and the way that he loved uh, children. Uh, we just want to be like him, God. All these things in his name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, thanks for being with us. This, uh, we'll see you uh, next week. If you have questions, feel free to come talk to these folks or anybody in the lobby. Thanks.